Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, two. Thank you for listening to the Successful Life Podcast. We have no dues or fees, so please refer to this podcast to a friend. Make sure you rate, review, and hit the subscribe button. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with EJ Cruz. EJ, what's up, brother? Good. How are you, Corey? Good, man. So EJ's a, a registered nurse manager, and then also he uh, hosts the Parables podcast. So the people that are watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see that in the background. Is that all their signatures on the back, on the sign? It is, yeah. It's, uh, I like to this is like my infamous canvas where, uh, cause I like to have my podcast uh, guests uh, in person. Sure. And uh, after I have them sign it. So it's kind of just like a little cool thing I have here. <laughs> that, that is super cool. So how long have you, you how long have you been, uh, do, how long have you had your podcast? Yeah. Uh, it started in September, 2018. And so it's fairly new. Um, but since then it's just, uh, it's just been a wildfire as far as just its reach, how it's been able to grow. I never thought in my wildest years that like I'd be a podcaster and being like fully uh, invested in it, to be honest. It's just been a, an amazing experience for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So it, in fact, my, um, you know, my experience so far has been really, it's been really good as far as being able to talk to different people and and it's interesting because I always seem to take something away from the conversation. And that's not really the goal. The goal is not for you to tell me your story so it can improve my life. It's so we can, everybody else can hear your story and hopefully you improve their lives. But I do feel like I walk away with something after each con conversation I have. Do you find the same thing? Absolutely. I call it almost like a bonus. Like for, again, um, uh, exactly what you said, right. Uh, so it's, uh, depending on your theme of the podcast and kind of your goal, right. I have a, my, my podcast is very similar. My goal is for the audience to take away something from our conversations and our discussions and to hopefully uh, apply in their lives and become the best version of them. That's kind of like, I guess my elevator pitch, <laughs> Sure, but yeah. you're absolutely right. When I am actually in a podcast and experiencing the whole thing, I take away something from the conversation itself. So to me, that's just like a bonus. Uh, the experience alone is priceless to me. And anybody who uh, I've spoken to, I tell them all the time, podcasting, the experience itself, the conversations we have, it's priceless. It definitely is. You just 
it's something that like it, it, it never happens you know what i mean it's just like you have that conversation and what you get out of it what the audience gets out of it it's just it's man it's an amazing experience no question about it so uh you're also in the rta group rta syndicate correct yes so um you know it's funny i've talked to so many of our rta brothers and like everybody everyone every one of us we all have a different story of course but all think very similar it's amazing to find such a tight-knit group that you know if you caught it, you know if you're if you have an RTA brother or sister for that matter, you know that you can depend on that person, and because you think very, we all think very similar. Yeah, I think the RTA group is one of the best things I've ever done. Um, just to give you a um, a funny story about RTA, I remember I, I barely just started following Andy Frisella's content, and my lead was fairly new to me when RTA came about and you know i am a second year member um when they had the i guess you call so-called applications um open up it was literally not joking Corey, 11 50 p.m and the you know the the deadline was obviously midnight and i remember sitting there with my credit card and phone and i had my you know my finger on my mouse i was thinking to myself man should i do this because you know for people who wonder, yes, you know, we do pay uh, a membership, but the ROI has just been completely just the networking and you, you get so much more. I don't even look at it in a format. I'm paying a membership. I take so much more out of it. But I remember contemplating, going back, should I do it? Should I not? You know, this is money, you know, and um, I clicked and thank God I did because it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. Just exactly what you said. I mean, these are two founders, Andy Prasad and Milet, with a lot of credibility, what they stand for. And this is a group where I keep telling everybody who, who always asks, what is RSA Syndicate? It is just like a, it is just a group of remarkable people who think alike, who are about making an impact, who are uh, a force of nature, good people, um, exactly how you said it. And um, I think that all started off with the credibility of what Andy Purcell and Ed Milet stood for. And now I have brothers and sisters, some who I talk to almost daily, like not joking. Like I've, I've made some new brothers and sisters who I know will be in my life forever. And it's just been an amazing experience. Yeah. No question about it. So, um, yeah, dude, I, I, you know, and it, I love, I love it, man. I'll be, I'll be, you know, to be honest, I, until I went to the live event this year, you know, I wasn't part of the accelerator until I went to the live event and, and I went with Chris and Leanne Saunders and I, and I'll make this really short because everybody else that's listened to this podcast knows this story. So, but I went with Chris and Leanne Saunders, which, you know, um, and I can't, when is their guest and, and without a shadow of a doubt that weekend has changed my life. Um, I was, I would say that I was really going through a mild depression up until that point because of multiple reasons that um, it was just part of what was going on in my life. It was just part of the process for me to get to where I am now, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, most definitely. I think the live event is something everyone should attend to, whether you're a member or not. It is open to the public, but you just get the idea of what 
the movement represents and what we are trying to do. So um, whether you are going for the accelerator, like how me and you are, or the syndicate, um, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Like we kind of don't even look at it as form of like different like, groups or tiers at this point because we are always collaborating among each other. It doesn't matter like technically what I guess tier you are. You know what I mean? Sure. We're all one big big family, I guess you could say. And we all want um, the same thing. We all want to win and be excellent in all areas of life. And we want to make an impact and we want to be, um, you know, a force of good throughout the world. Man. And um, uh, where, do you, where, where do you find it? That's so rare. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, it's so rare. So, all right. Well, we've uh, we talked about Arte. Or, you know, we could talk about Arte for the next two hours, I have a feeling. But uh, – <laughs> I would rather at this point, let's get into your story because I, I don't know your story. So, and I don't know if all my listeners know your story. So if you could tell me and then the listeners, somebody out there, I think I'm sure has not heard your story. So let's hear it. This episode of the successful life podcast is brought to you by house call pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, Housecall Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm, from, I'm, you know, I'm from Southern California. I grew up here all my life. Um, about four, I'm, I'm in the Inland Empire area, which is about 40 minutes for, away from LA. Um, you know, growing up, uh, I, I don't have any crazy interesting story. It's not like I was homeless or I was uh, poor or, you know, struggling for food or anything like that. I will say that, you know, my parents did come from a third world country. They worked their asses off to give me and my sisters everything that, you know, they didn't have. Um, you know, so I had it better than a lot of other people. That's for sure. Than the other kids in the neighborhood, things like that. But you know, still, my parents uh, taught me and instilled in me that I still have to work hard. Like nothing's ever easy to be given to me. And even though I had it better than other, you know, uh, other kids out there and other students, um, I still had to work my ass off. You know, uh, it's kind of one of those things. I had this discussion the other day. That you can't compare somebody's uh, two people from two different backgrounds, right? I. I if you were to compare me to like the kid who can't, who was only raised by like a, a father that was never there versus with me, uh, you, you, you can't compare it because we, we, we come from different backgrounds, different circumstances, di- different conditions. I had my own struggles growing up as well. And maybe it's not as extensive as some of these other people, but at the end of the day, like, you know, struggle, struggle, adversity, like, you know, my adversity compared to someone else's adversity is actually could probably be like the same thing, even though they're not, that makes sense. No, it's so, totally. So really quick, I want to, I just wanted to highlight exactly what you said, because it doesn't matter on the outside looking in, if I feel like you had a struggle or not, your struggle, whatever the hell that was, was exactly the same as mine. In my mind, mine was the worst ever. In your mind, yours was the worst ever, right? Yeah. Yes. So exactly. And um, yeah. So you know, growing up, like I said, I um, you know, my my parents uh, were so supportive of everything I did. Um, I I kind of like my parents were kind of polar opposites. Like 
my mom was the more empathetic one, very supportive. My dad was more um, strict, a little hard on me, but I got the best of both worlds, right? And I feel like that helped me going to my nursing career. Funny story about my nursing career, um, I was molded and bribed into it. I was very involved in high school. And my mom basically, I think my parents got so sick and tired of driving me to school because I was into basketball, associated student body, you name it. I was in it, I was very involved. And I think, when, you know, 15 with the uh, driver's permit, they were finally just like, hey, you know what? We're going to get you a car, but you got to take up nursing. You know, family of nurses, uh, Filipino background, you know, it runs in the family. And I, to me at the time, I was like, all right, cool. Like, I just want the car, you know? Like, like a good deal to me. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Fast forward. Uh, finally, you know, when we went to college and I finally got into the nursing program, man, oh man, I struggled. Like, so usually when you get into the medical field, you have some sort of background, whether you're, uh, you take something simple like medical terminology or you're actually in the healthcare field already. Maybe you're um, uh, a tech, maybe you're a nurse's aide, whatever it may be, right? I can't, I, I didn't know anything. I didn't even have that medical terminology. So when I went in there, uh, obviously, uh, being a nurse, it's a female-dominated profession. So not only was I one of the few males there, but I was actually second to youngest. I was 21. Wow. And when I got in there, I got slaughtered, bro. Like, I'm talking like they were on me like crazy. I was on academic probation, I think, three-fourths of the program. Finally, I think the last semester, it just clicked. It just, like, you know, sometimes it, it's a proven concept of, like, sometimes you – it doesn't matter if you're book smart. It's about you, about your work ethic, about how you communicate, if you have good people skills, right? Because in that profession, you have to establish a lot of rapport, a lot of trust, especially with patients, right? For sure. Uh, that collaborative team effort um, in healthcare. So anyway, um, got on there, I graduated when I was 23. So I guess, it, you know, at least from where I came from and within my um, friends and family, I found success at a young age, right? I was already hired at a top of one of the best hospitals in California. And I was basically already making, you know, six figures. And, um, you know, I found success at a very young age and I thought I had it all, right? That's like kind of like the dream. Like you, you get a, a very a career that's very stable, that's always in demand. Um, uh, you know, a employer that takes care of you, takes, you know, as far as benefits, I had healthcare benefits at such a young age. I actually had that all my life, to be honest, because my mom was a nurse, you know, and, um, you know, after that, though, the, the whole thing about, you know, how my mom bribed me, um, it, it started to play a factor because it was never my passion. Right. And I always tell this to everybody who knows this about my background. I don't take away anything from my nursing career. It has taught me so much as far as, um, you know, uh, the actual like practice itself, um, building a, a thick skin, emotional resilience. Um, managing people, building rapport relationships with family, with patients, things like that. But at the end of the day, it just um, it started to trickle in and started to get to me that it was it was never my passion. I want more. So, actually, I was in graduate school, about to finish my degree as a nurse practitioner, and I, I just one day I just I just stopped. I just realized like you know what this isn't for me. So I stopped and I'm still paying my school loan till this day. I'm not afraid to admit it. Um, but I've been in healthcare for 10 years. So I actually got into um, a nursing management about four years ago, three to four years ago. 
And that's where it really started to kick me in the ass where I wasn't kind of enthusiastic. I wasn't driven no more. The passion clearly wasn't there. Still did my job, of course, because I'm a very, um, you know, I like to work hard and um, I care about, you know, obviously this is a very, very, um, nursing is considered one of the most trusted professions out there, right? So you need to actually do your job, right? So, um, you know, I just basically fell in a hole of complacency and comfort. I thought I had it all. And obviously when the passion part started to come in where I realized like, you know what, I want more. There's something more that I could provide to the world. Uh, the way I see it, when you're, when you work in a hospital setting, you serve your community. And to me, I kind of felt I had a higher calling of serving the world. And I just didn't know what that was yet. You know, I've always felt like I've had a creative mind um, that I love people. I just kind of just didn't know how to do that outside of nursing, right? So again, three or four years ago, when I finally came to that uh, realization, started to um, just start to read more books, listen to some podcasts, just start putting myself out there. I'm a very people person. I love to meet new people. That's what I'm all about. I'm all about people and networking. Um, I'm a likable person. I like to think at least. And, um, you know, I just started putting myself out there and eventually, um, I knew I've always had this business side of me. One mention, um, going back to my stories, I've always been a hustler in the sense that I always found ways to come up in regards to money. So for instance, back in the day, pogs, Pokemon cards, uh, back in my college, they selling Jordans. I even run a side uh, business in the e-commerce space on eBay. Um, anything I could do to, you know, make a profit, I've always been a part of it. And, you know, during that time when I came to that realization, like, hey, like, what am I going to do? Like, what, what's my purpose? I finally decided, like, you know what? It's not about the money. Like, what can I do to something that really fulfills me, Right. So eventually, um, you know, again, just tapping into the self-development entrepreneurial space, uh, I finally decided to, I, I, the, about a year ago when I started my podcast, I finally asked myself, I did the most cliche thing, right? You write down all the good stuff that you think you're, you know, you're good at, or what are your strengths? And you see like, okay, how can I turn this into a career? So again, what I wrote down was I love people. I love talking to them, meeting, um, having conversations, and I love the experience. The podcasting platform came about. I thought I'd give it a shot. I had no idea what I was doing. Again, nursing background. I don't know shit about. Uh, I'm not allowed to cuss on here, right, Corey? Of course. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you I can drop whatever. Fuck, what, say whatever the fuck you want to say, dude. It's all good. <laughs> I hit explicit, and I check that box, and it stays checked. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I said, like, hey, Corey, I'm allowed to cuss here, and you're like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, again, nursing background, bro. I don't know anything about cameras. I don't know anything about audio. I'm not an engineer. Uh, uh, production. I don't know any of that shit, right? So basically, going into this, I was. This is all a whole new world to me. All I until this day, I only know stop and record. Like that's all that's true, right? So initially, what started as like, okay, let me just try this out. You know, I always, um, and something I forgot to mention, I consider myself a serial hobbyist. I love to try new things. I think even as at a young age, I just like to tap into different things and just learn something new, right? Got into this and initially what started was, okay, let me just have conversations with some friends, some buddies who are like doing cool things. What started off as that eventually grew into, you know, I started captivating the audience, right? Having people reach out to me, EJ, that episode with so-and-so, inspired me to pursue my passion. EJ, that episode 
and uh, gave me the confidence to go into an interview to people all of a sudden reaching out to me from around the world, right? right. As of right now, my current stat is this podcast has been able to reach over 45 countries. I don't know, Corey, I don't know anybody outside of the U.S. and Canada. <laughs> That's crazy. And, and when I looked at some of um, my analytics, and we'll, we could talk about it if you want, analytics on my podcast and its reach, there was countries I didn't even know existed. You know what I mean? So, and I got people listen to me, people reach out to me almost daily. So again, what started off as like, I guess you could say like maybe a hobby, it turned into something more where I feel like I have an obligation to just continue to put these episodes out. And again, if you guys are unaware of what my podcast is about, it's called The Parables. And basically, I just sit down with remarkable people, inspiring people from all walks of life, from entrepreneurs who run companies that are on the top 500 ink list to locals who are community heroes making a massive impact within their city or their community. And we just sit down, have an amazing conversation. And the goal really is to, for the audience to take something from that conversation. And that's really all it is. And uh, again, what started as a hobby all of a sudden, like, I feel like I, this is my purpose, my obligation to put this, uh, these conversations out there so that people can be moved by it, to find some light in it. I like to call this podcast a beacon of light. And uh, the rest is history. I mean, uh, till this day, I, don't, I still don't know how the heck it's continuing to grow the way it is. And um, you being in the podcast world, man, um, I, I got to tell everybody out there, the podcasting platform is in its infancy, and it's just a powerful powerful platform uh people you're able to reach people you never thought you could um it's almost like social media but i feel like on steroids to be honest because of what it's able to do you're able to multi-purpose the content and um yeah man that's pretty much it i mean uh till this day i still consider myself a serial hobbyist uh i think any opportunity that comes my way if it excites me i consider myself a passionate guy if it excites me and I know I could help contribute to its cause or its mission, then I want to be a part of it, you know? So, um, yeah. And uh, I, I still believe my journey is still continuing to unfold and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited, especially about 2020 as we, as we're uh, gearing up for the new year. It's getting close. So, you know, I want to circle back for a second and, and have you tell me when you said, you said that, you know, having conversations with, families in the hospital and, and talking to the patients. What's, what's one of the hardest conversations you've had to have uh, in that space with either a patient or a family member of a patient? Oh, of course. Having to, uh, I think some of the hardest conversations were probably with family. Um, usually uh, you would think it'd be with the patient, but usually what I found at least in my profession was with the patient, they kind of knew already right? They kind of knew that maybe their time was coming. They weren't doing too good. If they were in that still that mental state, if they were still able to speak, right? I think the hardest ones were probably with family as well. Um, giving them updates on what's going on with their family. You know, if they happen to come on the unit that I'm working on and the family's not, you know, the patient's not there no more. Clearly they were moved to a higher level of care because they were more sick. Um, I think the most difficult conversations I've had, though, is actually going back to the patient. Uh, and I say this all the time, and this has a lot to do with regret, is that there were times where I would be the last person that my patients would see. No family, no friends, right? And the conversations I would have with my patients for the ones that were able to speak, 
um, you know, that were ending, you know, uh, going towards that route, going towards that direction of, you know, not living much longer is the fact that they had a lot of regret. Like, hey, EJ, you're so young, man. Um, live your life. Go for everything you're passionate for. I wish I would have done this when I was younger. I wish I would have reconciled this relationship with my brother. Or, you know, I wish I would have did this. It was just full of regret, man. And I came to realize, like, this was like 90, 95% of my patients, man. And I've been in the career for 10 years. You know, so to me, that has always been a part of me thinking like, man, I don't ever want to live. I don't want to end my life with regret. I want to know that I've done my best and pursued things that I felt that, you know, I was passionate about. And um, that, those were probably some of the hardest conversations because at the end of the day, as a nurse, you have to be spiritual healing. And sometimes we have to, because obviously there's a lot of research that backs up like spiritual healing, right? It helps with the physical healing as well. And sometimes I'd find myself lying, lying to them as in like, I'd have to comfort them. Let them know everything's going to be fine. You're going to be okay. When in reality, from my background and my education and my experience, I knew it wasn't, you know what I mean? So those were some of the hardest conversations I've had to have for sure. So, you know, all right. So let's just take that exact scenario. And, and if you have somebody who maybe doesn't have family and, and maybe they, maybe they just don't know that it's coming as rapidly as it is coming. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're doing them a disservice by comforting them and telling them that it's going to be okay, knowing that it's not, but, but at least, and this is why I say this, you know, Tony Robbins has a great example. His, uh, his father-in-law, well, it was his father-in-law at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, The, the doctor, he had a conversation with the doctor, Tony and said, Hey, if you have any bad news, I want you to come to me first and then I'll convey the news. Mm-hmm. And the, the guy lived for, I don't know how many years after that, because the guy didn't know how serious it was, whatever, whatever it was. And so Tony went out of the country, different doctor, doctor comes in and was like, Hey dude, your panels are up, whatever the case may be. And tells the patient and the guy's dead in, you know, 48 hours or, or 72. So, it's something a crate because he mentally he said, you know, basically fuck it. I and checks out and checked out. Yeah. So no, I, um, I no to answer your question, I think it's okay. And I was comfortable with it because I have experienced miracles too. I've seen patients make a full turnaround when they were deemed to not make it the next week, the next why? two weeks, a full, full blown recovery. Right. So I don't think, I mean, as much as spiritual healing, I believe in it and I've experienced it. I think, um, you know, there were times where I was comfortable doing that because um, I I could never tamper, I guess, with, uh, I guess you could say God's doing and God's will. You know what I mean? Um, I think comforting and being empathetic is a huge part of our practice. Um, and I would only have those thoughts and behind my head just from my experience. And as we know, experience doesn't mean shit in yeah. regards to profession, in regards to business, in regards to life, right? So uh, to answer your question, I, I, I was okay with it. I, obviously, it was uneasy for me 
because I've seen a lot of it under my watch. But at the end of the day, that's, that's part of, that's our job. That's part of our role is that we need to be there for them. We need to be comforting. We need to be empathetic. We need to be honest. Um, but at the same, you know, and there's a fine line between that, you know what I mean? How can we be comforting, but then also try to be honest when they're obviously not doing too well, you know what I mean? Right. So yeah, it's just, um, it's again, the profession, I know take nothing away from it, even though it, I consider it not to be my passion. I've definitely learned a lot. I mean, if you think about it, I, I, I just told you guys that I am a, uh, I love people. I love engaging with people. I use that in my practice, right? When somebody was stuck up on narcotics, I use my humor. I use my personality to help heal them. You know what I mean? And I think that's the one thing I definitely take away from nursing that I'm thankful for. It's allowed me to kind of hone in on what I know I'm good at and what I feel um, how I'm of service to people. It's just the way I talk with people. Energy, transferring of that energy. Huge. Absolutely huge. Because you can change somebody's day by being a shit, you know, putting out a shit energy. In a, yeah. you know, obviously in a negative way, or you can change their way with a smile. And Absolutely. it really, it's your decision on which way you want to go with that. But, and it's lots of times, I don't think we realize how much we affect other people that are looking at us when we don't know they're looking at us, right? Especially on social is a great example. Um, you know, people put out, I say it's a generalization, people put out whatever, um, you know, I'm not real good with telling about my shitty days, right? I'm getting better at that. I just, I don't know why. I guess it's a, a barrier that may, maybe most people go through. I, I don't know. Um, but when I have a down day, I don't, I don't really talk about it a whole, whole lot because I guess there's this perception that you're supposed to always be up on social media, you know? And, yeah. and so I'm getting better at trying to display some of that uh, with the down days, you know, the vulnerability. Yeah. 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 No exactly. But I think so, I, I believe that, that, you know, there are some people that I follow that are always vulnerable. Like they're always pouring out in, in, in and I just wonder if people can take that part too far. Yeah, no, it almost like, I, I know exactly what you're saying and it annoys the crap out of me because I'll be the first to tell you, I cannot stand cancerous toxic negative people i just can't and uh, that might be the nurse side of me because obviously me being the profession i i'm in an environment of distress i'm in an environment of pain i'm in an environment of family dynamics being broken right so i totally get what you're saying and i think there's a there's only so much that you should be showing that vulnerability i mean if there's somebody that's just completely just saying all the bad stuff, you know, talking to speaking on the bad stuff all the time. Clearly that's not healthy, right? True. Cause it's definitely not healthy. And um, no, you're actually right. That transfer of energy. Could you imagine me being a negative person working as your nurse? I mean, what, how would you be, how would you, what would you think as a patient, as a family member? You know what I mean? So uh, no, I definitely agree. I think like some people do it too much. At the same time, though, I think that there's a lot of people who aren't as vulnerable and they should. And that's not to say that, hey, tell all your deepest, darkest secrets. The only reason I say that, though, is because what we find is with vulnerability, it's so powerful because of what it could do. Right? It could reveal things about you that you don't know about yourself. It could 
help inspire other people and people could resonate with that, you know, when you tell your story. So it, I think there's, there's a fine line, exactly what you said. Some people do it too much and it could be over the top or it could be cancerous, right? And toxic. And at the same time, I think not a lot of people do it enough to where I think it could be definitely, um, it could definitely be, what's the word I'm looking for? Therapeutic, almost therapeutic to a sense. Sure. Sure. Uh, you know, and actually you said, I, you know, about when you said, I, you, I can't remember exactly how you just said it, but you said something along the lines of, well, you know, if you were being treated by a nurse that was toxic, well, I was in the hospital like two weeks ago and the two nurses that I had, one male, one female, they were fucking amazing. Both of them. They were great. And then this third lady comes in and she was just kind of gruff. And, and so I said something and she gave me kind of a sarcastic or shit ass response. And so I just, I processed it. And then I thought there's probably something going on in her life that that she's just, that that I just don't know because I doubt she's usually that way. And so the next time she came in, I said, Hey, I said, uh, I just, she, she didn't respond when I, I had answered a question for her and I don't remember what it was and she didn't respond. I thought, well, at least she could have said something. So when she came back in, I said, Hey, I said, I just want to make sure that you, uh, that, that you heard me answer your question. And she said, yeah, yeah. She said, I did. I, she said, honestly, I've got, a, I've got a migraine and it's about to kill me or something along those lines. <laughs> and, and I'm like, and, and so I, so at that moment I thought, well, that was it. You know, she's not pissed off at me or the world. She just got a having a shitty day. Cause she's got a terrible headache. So I haven't always looked at people that way though. You know, and I haven't always taken a step back to figure out, well, what could be going on with that person that maybe they gave me that response? Yeah, yeah. But you know what? When it comes to, sometimes that's not your job to also. I mean, like, I'm I'm speaking in regards to that profession, right? I mean, if you know you're a nurse and you got to be that role, fit that role and do what you do, even if you're not having the shittiest day, there's no reason why you should be going to your patient's room all, you know, cancerous and toxic and being all negative when your patient is already enduring so much. You know what I mean? And I don't even think that has to do with your profession, with nursing in general. It's, it's just anywhere. I think sometimes, you know, we are unaware, and that's that, that's that's what I'm thankful for. It's it's emotional resilience. Sometimes we are unaware of how we are reacting, and it affects other people. That transfer of energy. I think it's so important. And I think the if you are able to build that emotional resilience, I think you will find the life more rewarding for sure. And more, uh, you will attract more good energy for sure. Um, again, um, I think not a lot of people have that emotional resilience and you have to build it. Um, and everyone's different. Of course, we can't understand everybody's going through something like you just said, right? That we may not understand. At the end of the day, I don't think it's fair that you should be transferring that energy towards somebody who's harmless who's not trying to do any harm to you you know right 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 that's just my thoughts and my insights some people might think different but that's just uh from my experience and how i operate as an individual and as a professional that's how i am i'm about good energy i'm about transferring it if i can and um you know if it's if it's negative energy that's coming my way either i don't want no part of it or i want to turn it around that's honest true that's just the way i am and um since i've honed into that i i will have to say i've i've been the happiest in my life for sure 
No question. So uh, let me ask you this: what you know? What do you do? What do you could? What do you do in your morning routine? I assume you have a morning routine. Most of us do. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that safe to assume that you do have a morning routine? Oh man, dude, this morning routine of mine is a work in progress. Um, it's starting to get better. So initially, uh, it's been a little difficult because obviously I'm pursuing entrepreneurship full time. If, if people don't get that yet, and then I'm still a registered nurse. That's you know I'm still full time registered nurse. So I feel like I'm always working, right? <laughs> so sure. on my days off, on my days off, I kind of just I don't really have a routine, but I like to stay busy. I like to stay busy and productive, working towards my goals, my long-term goals. Obviously, when I'm working, I have to be very, very strategic and very time efficient because there's only so many hours of the day that I can actually work towards my entrepreneurship and all my other personal goals because the other hours are dedicated to the hospital, right? So it's a work in progress, but what I will say is I've made slight changes in my habits and I think it's working, uh, it's been working great. So for instance, one big change that I started doing was my morning workout routine or my, my, my workouts. I started working out at 4 a.m., which is a huge, huge, huge adjustment for me because I came from nocturnal shit. <laughs> so that, that whole internal clock is, has been a work in progress for sure. But yes, I have been waking up at 3 a.m. to go to the gym at 4 knock it out. I just, I mean, I've been working out for like over 15 years and, um, and I've been a up and uh, up and down roller coaster with, uh, you know, my physical health and things like that. But with this, like I finally found a routine that I feel very comfortable with. And I found a really good solid group of people that I work out with. Like, it's not just like good people like to work out with. I'm talking about the energy is fantastic. The conversations that take place there. It's not just the exercises, right? It's like, everything combined and since i've done that that one small change to me has definitely played a huge role in how i start my day right positive great energy and um knocking out knocking that out because health is a big part of my life clearly right as i'm a fan of it but also i'm a nurse and um just little things like that so uh it's hard to give you like an exact routine because it's different every day but what i will say that's one big one for sure is that I make sure that I work out no matter what. I change it to early morning. I like to do like the most cliche thing is to um, either say a prayer or um, speak on gratitude, right? What I'm thankful, what I'm, what I'm grateful for. And um, I just, I, I always like to stay busy. Like I, I, I mean, I was like, guys, if you guys are listening to this, I was 15 minutes late to this podcast. I ain't gonna lie. You know, <laughs> I stay pretty busy. In front, I like to stay busy as best as I could because I know for sure it's hopping off. It's productive. You know, I don't like to stand. I don't like to sit around. Like, there's a time for that, maybe. Like, you know, when you're with family and you're just kind of relaxing. But as far as like that little, those little hours that you have throughout the day, it should be productive and as efficient as possible. I totally agree. It's really challenging for me to sit down and just watch television. Now, don't get me wrong. If I have a great show that I like, then I have to delegate. I, I don't. I, I do delegate some time with that because that's how my wife and I like to. You know, that's what we like to do when yeah. it gets to a certain point in the evening. However, 
if there's shit that I have to get done or that I need to get done, it's really hard for me to turn that clock off or turn that, you know, that meter. Sorry, I'm coming down with something. Uh, it's really hard for me to turn off. Like, you know, if I know there's, if I know there's shit I need to be, that I need to get done, that if tomorrow, if I don't do it today, it's going to stress me the fuck out. I will, I, I can't, I will make sure I get all that done before I do anything else. Yeah, you'll take it on like immediately, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely, one hundred percent. So, um, so so, how much longer do you think you'll stay in nursing? Oh, dude, I have a goal to get out of it as soon as I can. <laughs> I, I, I had that feeling, so that's why I ask. No, um, I again, I want to make it clear out there. I don't take away nothing from it. It's just I went from a position of being a floor nurse, and then I got into management. So not okay. So first off, of course, not only was it not my passion, right, stemming from my story, but I've seen like I've been in it for ten years. So I saw the transition when the Affordable Care Act took place. And again, my goal is to serve the world, not just my community anymore, through my all the entrepreneur stuff I'm doing. So my goal is to uh, to me that's my calling. Would you know like to me, God has spoken to me and said, EJ, like what you're doing being a beacon of light inspiring people and moving people that's what that's what i want you to do that's that's what i feel currently so my goal is to get out of it as fast as i could when it's the time is right though right one of the things i will say a commonality or not commonality but a very common story that i have on my podcast guests is some of them straight up dropped everything they were doing and went full blown into their passion or their business or whatever for me, I'm a little different because I'm established in my nursing career. I have a wife. I have a mortgage. You know what I mean? I want to do it strategically. I want to make sure all the numbers add up right, and I have a very effective exit strategy. I can't just quit one day, you know what I'm saying, and just right. full entrepreneurship, you know? So to answer your question, as soon as I can, as long as everything makes sense. It makes sense for me. It makes sense for my family, and it makes sense financially because, again, I'm 10 years in, I have great benefits. I have a, a pension, you know, I, all that good stuff. So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you this and we'll wrap up with, with this, but I want to share this quick story with you. Uh, when I, when I, so I've been an entrepreneur for a while, but really since 2000, really January 1 of 2014, because Jan, because December 31st of 2013, I got fired. And I would have never made the leap to go out on my own if I hadn't have gotten fired. I felt that day was the worst. I thought it was the worst. I was like, what the, like, what the fuck? How, what am I going to do now? And that mm-hmm. was put my ass in fucking gear and just grind the fuck out of everything that I could possibly think of. And, and, and I'm thankful that that happened. Excuse me. Thankful that that happened because I, probably wouldn't be sitting here today. I'd still be working for that same fucking company, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing uh, I will add, um, there's something Ed Milet told me that I'll always remember, right? Cause there's, like, you know, there's remarkable people like you guys, right? Like something happened and it was a blessing in disguise. And then, you know, you went full blown for your passion, your business or whatever it may be for people like me and other, uh, those who are still stuck, so-called stuck in their um, position or their job. You know, we, it's a blessing in disguise too. And the reason why is 
and what my led told me, and I'll never forget this, is that there are a lot of business owners out there who have nothing to fall back on, right? True. They had they had to go all in, balls in into whatever it is they were doing. For people like me and those who are whatever they're doing in their corporate job, for instance, we have a very unique situation where. I am fortunate enough to have this job stable career because again, not only do I have a roof over my head and it provides income for me and my family, but I also have a career that's able to help me fund my business. There are other people out there who don't have anything to help fund their business. So every time to those who are listening out here who may be like, I mean, there's days, I ain't gonna lie, I'm gonna be vulnerable. There's days where I'm in the hospital, I'm like, oh my God, I can't stand this place. I wanna walk out you know, just one of those days, I always have to check myself and remind myself, hey, look, I'm in a very unique position. People would kill to not only be in my position, but at the same time, I am able to fund my business and work towards my other goals, which is my other business and my you know, entrepreneurship. So uh, again, that's emotional resilience again, man. And um, I have to check myself all the time, every time I'm feeling that way. Uh, again, as long as it's a smart exit strategy, I think, uh, I'm, you know, it, it's something going to be coming soon, man. And I can't wait to share it with you when that happens, too. <laughs> I am super excited to, for you to share it. So, all right. Well, listen, EJ, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to to share your story with me today because, it, you know, I didn't know it. And so thank you. I really appreciate that. It does mean a lot to me. Yeah, dude, uh, I appreciate you having me on. Again, uh, I just want to take this time, too, to commend you for doing the whole podcasting thing. It's such an incredible platform. Um, I hope that this, our episode and my story inspires people, and I know um, all the other episodes that you continue to do, I know what it will do. Speaking from a fellow podcaster, I know what these conversations do for people. And I'm, I'm very excited that I have uh, a colleague like yourself to be doing some of this work, doing, you know, doing the service to people, man. I'm very excited. So again, I, I, I commend you, man. Thank you. And I will just say this. The last thing is that, you know, I reached out to EJ and this dude spent, I don't know, we probably talked back and forth for three hours. Uh yeah. You know, just about this, about him just really helping me with questions that I had about the podcast, and we had never really even had a conversation. So uh, I want to throw that in there because that is that was super, super, super helpful to me, and it made me feel like you gave a shit. Mm-hmm. No, so, man, you know, it's a, it's about helping each other, man. I mean... I think, uh, like you said, being like your fellow RTA member, and even if you're not in like a group or community or things like that, there are so much, there, it's about helping each other, man. You know, again, I come from a profession where I saw all the bad stuff. I see death. All, I saw death all the time, right? And I was no trauma nurse. I didn't see all the bl- crazy blood or all that stuff you see on TV. But I, like I, I said this at a speaking engagement I did like two weeks ago, death is death. It doesn't matter, right? You could get eaten by a shark or you could die of diabetes. Death is death. And at the end of the day, if you die with regret, I mean, that's irreversible. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I see what you're doing, man. I commend it. Like I said, I see you as a colleague. I see you as a brother. I see you as a, you know, somebody who's doing like uh, the work that I'm trying to do and do it any way way I can help you, brother. Like, Man, just reach out, bro. 
All right, man. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a good night and uh, have a good weekend. Thank you, brother. All right. I'll let you know when the podcast drops. All right. Actually, I'll let you know beforehand. All right. For sure, dude. All right, brother. Thank you. Have a good night. All right, man. Thanks. You got it. I want to thank you again for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. If you have not already subscribed, please do. And look, if you really enjoyed today's episode, email me at SuccessfulLifePodcast at gmail.com and tell me what it was you enjoyed. And if there's somebody that you want me to bring on, then email me about that and tell me who it is. And... I'll make sure it happens. So, you know, leave us a review, tell a friend, and until next time, folks, have a good day. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.